The following is an Auburn Network production. You are on the line. Live on ESPN 1067. Auburn Opelika's sports leader. Online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. To be on the line, call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. You are on the line with Jacob Goins and Carter Bird. You're on the line here on ESPN 106.7, Auburn Opelika Sports Leader. Happy Monday, everybody. It's a gorgeous day here in the Auburn Opelika area, the third in a row. This weekend was absolutely beautiful. Sun has been shining. The temperature has risen. It is beautiful here in the Auburn Opelika area. Hope you all had a fantastic weekend. Uh, I did and uh, Carter, I hope you did as well as, uh, again, beautiful weather. Can't beat it. Uh, You had great college basketball this weekend as the regular season came to an end. You had a great ending in a golf tournament yesterday. You had a fantastic UFC fight on Saturday night. Multiple UFC fights on Saturday night. Uh, The Main event may not have been as exciting as we wanted it to be. It but was shocking how it ended. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, I don't know if you've seen this. There's been some some. Um, I know where you're going. outcry I know where you're going. Your, your, your guy. Yeah. Which, upon further re- review, it does appear there's a low blow there. <laughs> I mean, yeah, but was it, was it incidental? Was it on purpose? Incidental. I think it's incidental, but... It definitely affected the fight. <laughs> <laughs> I think it may have happened uh, in the Bo Nickel fight. But, uh, no, the UFC event, if you watched it or had the chance to, uh, all the fights were really good. Uh, John Bones Jones, uh, he's been named the greatest of all time now from uh Basically, a lot of people within the within the sport of UFC. Joe Rogan called him uh, the 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 best to ever do it in the post game interview on Saturday night. So those were fantastic fights. Uh, like I mentioned, a fantastic finish yesterday in a golf tournament. Uh, some good NBA games yesterday. Uh, college basketball regular season came to an end. So was a great weekend for sports. NFL Combine has been this weekend as well. And so uh, lots to talk about today. And, and as you know, Mondays are very. very very busy around here on the on the line here on ESPN 106.7. We'll talk Auburn basketball as they take down Tennessee on Saturday. We'll talk about that, break it all down as uh, your Auburn Tigers have solidified a spot in the NCAA tournament. Uh, they needed a win on Saturday and they got it. We'll talk about that. Also, all SEC honors have been named as of a couple of minutes ago. We'll talk about SEC awards, a couple of Auburn Tigers uh, on the all-SEC teams. Then at 2.30, we'll talk to Joey Blackwell of Bama Central. Later on in the show at 3.30, we'll talk to Jacob Hillman of the Auburn Sports Network about everything going on with Auburn Athletics. Very busy weekend for Auburn. Basketball, baseball, softball, gymnastics, uh, tennis, golf, you name it. I mean, there's a lot going on right now with Auburn Athletics. Football, obviously, spring practice is underway. And so lots to talk about with Jacob Hillman of the Auburn Sports Network coming up at 3.30. But until our two guests come on, phone lines are open. We'd love to hear from you. 334-321-1390. Give us a call. What would you think about Auburn's performance on Saturday? 
Saturday, taking down Tennessee in a must-win, gotta-have-it game. Tigers win against Tennessee in the season finale of the regular season, 79-70. to Give us a call, 334-321-1390. And Carter, I know that you and Jack had uh, your chance to talk about this a little bit Saturday afternoon, evening, uh, on after the game. I was not able to hop on, but... Auburn defeats Tennessee, and I gotta have it. Game, they're going to the NCAA tournament. Yeah, how about that? Because of the, it's just such a big win to get that extra quad one win to push you over the top and um, have you, I think, firmly in in the tournament. <clears throat> Most places, um, unless you are uh, Joe Lenardi at ESPN, <laughs> who really barely budged with his opinion of Auburn which is goofy and weird and whatever um but I do think that it is important for Auburn to make get that win um seal the tournament and you saw with uh the way some things fell in some other conferences it further I think helped Auburn um, UNC losing, Michigan losing, teams like that, mm-hmm. Rutgers losing, teams that will fall behind Auburn uh, and give them a little extra cushion. Um, but a win in the SC tournament would do a lot of things. Yeah, it would. And uh, going back to the conversation we had on Friday uh, when Jack was in here just talking about all of the different possibilities of what the SEC tournament could look like. We'll talk about what it is because the bracket's out. Uh, we know the teams. We know the seeds. We know the matchups. Uh, so we'll talk about that today and tomorrow and, and as this week goes on as it begins on Wednesday in Nashville. But we talked about the different possibilities that Auburn had uh, for potential matchups. And the the pretty set-in-stone one was Arkansas. It seemed like that was the most likely possibility was Auburn was going to pull Arkansas in the SEC yes. tournament, and that's what they did. They now play Arkansas on Thursday night. And we, on the air, we, we thought about the scenario where if Auburn were to have lost on Saturday – who would you want in the first round of the SEC tournament? And we talked about wanting to play Arkansas to pick up that quad one win. Well, now you beat Tennessee on Saturday, and in the first round of the SEC, or second round, I should say, first game of the SEC tournament for Auburn, now you have to play Arkansas, where you don't really want to play them because that's a pretty good squad they've got going in Fayetteville right now. And not to dodge the good teams, but... You kind of want to dodge them early and wait until farther on in the SEC tournament to play a team like Arkansas. That's a tough first game. Uh, I mean, the one thing I will say is with where Auburn's at in the net ratings and uh, and Kim Palm and all these bracketology, um, you're not really going to get knocked big time if you lose to Arkansas in the first round because they're 18th in the net rankings. You're 32nd. Um, so... If you lose that game based on the net rankings, you should lose that game, I guess. Technically, yeah. I mean, based off the net rankings, sure. But Auburn is in the tournament, and I think that's important. They're in the NCAA tournament thanks to their win against Tennessee on Saturday. And again, today, tomorrow, and as we go on through the week, we'll talk more about the SEC tournament as it gets closer and gets going on Wednesday. We'll talk about Auburn's matchup. Who's going to make a run? All that good stuff. But to focus on the Auburn-Tennessee game first, because I have not had my chance to uh, to talk about this game, this win uh, for Auburn that was uh, very, very big, very important.
Auburn. We said it was a gotta-have-it sort of game, and Auburn went out and did the thing. And it was the starters that did it. And we've talked about how Auburn's bench has not been very productive. It was the same story on Saturday. You had a total of seven points from your bench. That includes just a three-point performance from KD Johnson. Not that he scores a lot of points, but that's definitely under his season average. But the four out of five starters, Shania Broom with 17, Jayla Williams with 13, Wendell Green with 24 off a good night of shooting. I'll get to that in just a second. And Alan Flanagan with 16 on a pretty good night of shooting. That's all you can ask for for this team. They beat uh, Tennessee get, 79 to 70. If you get 70 points from those four guys, you're going to win most of your games. You're going to win a lot of games. You're going to win yeah. almost all of your games going forward. And... Again, I talked about the shooting performance. Janai Broom, 6 of 11. How about the best three-point shooter on the team at 50%? He matches Wendell Green of 2 of 4. Well, Flanagan went 2 of 3, technically. But Janai Broom with 2 of 4 from downtown. I don't necessarily it's like him better. It's shooting those. It's looked a lot those. better recently yeah. when he's taken those opportunities. He looks more confident, and he's actually hit them, which is, which is key. You can't complain about your center going 2 for 4 from the three-point line. I don't like him shooting those shots, but... But if he's two for four, I'm not going to complain. You had him go six of 11. You had Jayla Williams go five of 10. Wendell Green went eight of 14. And I've talked about how I don't like a point guard shooting more than 10 times a game. I think if a point guard is shooting in double digits, bad things are happening unless they're just shooting the lights out. And eight of 14, two of four from deep, six of six from the free throw line, that's the best shooting performance we've seen Wendell Green have This was the best overall performance we have seen Wendell Green have in an Auburn uniform. He went 8 of 14 from the field, 2 of 4 from deep, 6 of 6 from the free throw line. He only pulled one rebound, but whatever. Four assists, two steals, just two turnovers and 24 points. That is a point guard performance right there. He had the perfect assist to turnover ratio. He got a rebound. He forced a couple of turnovers. And he got you 24 points on an effective night of shooting. This is the Wendell Green Auburn needs when they go to Nashville this week and when they play in the NCAA tournament starting next week. Yeah, absolutely. The way that he played, it was really encouraging because, I mean, I'm doing the math over here, but he has not um, performed spectacularly against the top three teams, really, in this conference. Uh, And then he showed up and showed out. Uh, on Saturday and it was really impressive I think there is some credit to be given to the fact that Zakai Ziegler was not playing uh, Tennessee's best player one of their better guards Uh, I think you have to make that note but again Wendell Green played really well at the same time all of a sudden Wendell was going against a bunch of yeah a lot bigger guards yeah yeah absolutely and he still played well absolutely he played well we'll talk more about it let's get to the phone lines though 334-321-1390 Spectre you're on the line Welcome in. Hey, how you guys doing today? Doing all right, Spectre. Right, how are you? Hey, this call actually is for Terry. Okay. Uh, <laughs> keep throwing that smack against Wendell Green. He answered the call and, uh, on Saturday, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. And uh, absolutely fantastic game from Wendell. Uh, you know, as far as the team goes, I mean, we take Alabama into overtime and take care of Tennessee, but we get blown out by Kentucky. And I think Rump Arena is actually their sixth man. I really do. Yeah. yeah. Oh, it, it's, it's it's tough. It's, 
Yeah, it's hard for Auburn to go in there and win. I, I can't remember the last time they won a game there, to tell you the truth. 1988, I believe. I believe it's 88. Yeah, you guys weren't even born then, were you? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, yeah, I called in just make uh, give Terry a, a punch there and uh, – I know he's going to be calling in. Oh, I'm sure he will. But oh, look, there's, there's not much to say about Wendell on Saturday except he played, and I, I truly believe this, that's the best game he's played with Auburn written across his chest. Yep, exactly. I mean, he was good in all areas. Assist, three-pointers, shooting, two-point. You know, it's, it was all a good game from him. Yep, absolutely. But anyway, yeah. I got I to rush. I got to rush, guys. Appreciate, Appreciate the call, it, Spectre. Terry. Good to hear from you. Yeah, that Spectre. is Spectre <laughs> joining us. We got a phone call. Uh, I'll, I'll make a guess. I'll make a guess on, on who this might be, but we'll get to the phone lines in just a second. But, um, no, I mean, there's, there's not much that you can say about Wendell Green's performance on Saturday except that he played a really, really good game. Now, yes. the question then becomes how – much can he carry this into Nashville and how much can he carry this into the NCAA tournament and that goes for this entire Auburn squad because like Spectre just brought up you go to Rupp in Lexington and you get blown out by what could have been 40 to 45 then you go to Tuscaloosa and you take one of the best teams in college basketball they are starting to slip we'll get to that conversation a little bit later but you take at the time, probably the best team and still one of the best teams in college basketball to overtime, should have won the game. You got robbed. It is what it is. Then you take Tennessee on on Saturday and you beat them by nine points and you were winning that game pretty much the entire time. It's fair to say that Auburn's playing their best basketball right now at the best possible time going into conference tournament week and into the NCAA tournament. But the question becomes, how well will Auburn be able to carry this and how far will they be able to carry this play because we've talked about it and we ended the week with it last week on Friday they have not been able to carry this from game to game pretty much all season until these last two yeah I I think that this past week was the best week of basketball we saw from Auburn all season long and they played like that they're very capable of beating Arkansas. They're very capable of beating Texas A&M. They're very capable of winning multiple games in the NCAA tournament. Um, Jack and I joked about how funny would it be if this Auburn team goes deeper than uh, the best Alabama team of all time. That'd be really, really fun. Uh, I would love to see that happen. By the way, I did some math over here while uh, Terry was, or while Spectre was talking. Rather, I've done that twice now. Um, but in the other matchups versus the top three teams in the league, so Alabama, Texas A&M, Tennessee, Wendell was 23 of 67 from the field, which is 34.3%, and 9 of 29 from three, 31%. And then he goes 8 of 14, 57.1%, and 2 of 4 from three, 50%. He's always a good free throw shooter, so that one doesn't really – stack up in a way that like he wasn't noticeably worse against good teams and that's not a defensible stat right i mean it's that's more isolated like in a vacuum than Mm -hmm. than i guess against uh, a top three team that could play defense or whatever but on saturday he improved his shooting numbers 20 to 25 percent against the top teams Mm -hmm. versus tennessee on saturday who has one of the best defenses in college basketball they have the best defense in college basketball i think you got again i think you have to take a step away because of zakai ziegler not being there i think it's a huge part but i'm not taking away auburn's win at all i'm not because auburn beat them they didn't just win they beat tennessee on saturday but they are one of the best defenses absolutely as much as we say that 
we still look at what they did to Arkansas. Fair. Absolutely fair. Him. Yeah, absolutely. Like, they they absolutely dominated Arkansas. For pretty much the whole game. Even more once Ziegler went out. Ziegler's a great player. But I do think that this Tennessee team is still phenomenal defensively mm-hmm. without him. And in, in that Arkansas game, remember Ziegler went out within the first five minutes. And they played that entire rest of that game without him and beat them by 20-plus. The, the stat that I think I found by digging through Tennessee's schedule, Auburn's 49 points in the second half is the most amount of points that Tennessee has allowed in a half all season long. Most okay. amount. All season. Interesting. That's What is the most points that Auburn has scored in a half this year? Auburn scored 50 a couple times, uh, whether it be in non-conference play or I think against like Ole Miss, they had like Maybe. a 51-point half. Yeah, it's it's got to be up there, though. It's yeah. got to be up there, no doubt. And we know that Tennessee's offense is not spectacular, and yet they did put up 70 points, but that's about as much as Tennessee wants to score. They don't want to go any higher than that, and they definitely don't want to give up 79 to an Auburn offense that has not been great this year. But this team may be starting to figure some things out. Again, it's going to be important. How do they carry this momentum into Nashville? They've got a a matchup with Arkansas. And when we come back, we're going to talk about the SEC tournament bracket as it is out. We know the teams. We know the matchups. We know the potential matchups and what the path for each team is to become SEC tournament champions on Sunday. We'll talk about it when we come back. Give us a call, 334-321-1390. the line on ESPN 1067 online at espnau.com or on the ESPN 1067 app Back inside the studio at ESPN 106.7, Auburn Opelika Sports Leader. And looking at some of the SEC stuff going on when it comes to basketball, uh, you have the SEC tournament bracket that is completed Uh, as of yesterday we've known uh, the seeds we know the matchups we know the paths for each team to try and hoist uh, the SEC tournament trophy on Sunday in Nashville but we also we also have uh, SEC uh, seasonal awards that came out just a little bit ago uh, about 30 minutes or so uh, that came out this year for uh, player of the year and you have coach of the year and first team second team all that good stuff and to kind of give you a rundown of what all of that looks like uh, to give you a a rundown of what all that looks like you have just to go through the list according to uh, the SEC's Twitter, and you can go find all this on their website as well. Um, you have Kobe Brown, who is your Scholar Athlete of the Year from Missouri. You have your co-Sixth Man of the Year, Antonio Reeves from Kentucky, and also Javon Quinterly from Alabama. Those are your two co-Sixth Man of the Year. You have Liam Robbins, your Defensive so, Player of the Year. Antonio Reeves, by the way. Jack and I had this discussion on Saturday. If we were to tell you that a Kentucky player scored 35 points, how far down the list would you have gone before you hit Antonio Reeves on Saturday? Because he had 30, or he had 37, I think. Yeah. I mean, he would she, not be Shibway, anywhere near the top. Shibway is one. I have Kaysom Wallace, two. Jack said he might have Toppin, three. Toppin would I be think Antonio it. Reeves. I think Antonio Reeves is the third option. I think I would go third. Yeah, Toppin... It would be really tough for Toppin in my book to go for 35. Like that's yeah. that's a lot for him. But 
Yeah, he had a great game, and we'll get into some of the results later on as well. But again, your co-sixth man of the year, Antonio Reeves from Kentucky, uh, Javon Quinterly from Alabama, your defensive player of the year, Liam Robbins from Vanderbilt. As it should have been. Absolutely. He, He earned it, and he is a fantastic player. Your player of the year and freshman of the year, Brandon Miller from Alabama. And take out all of the off-court stuff and that's what we're going to leave it at from a exactly i guess just on the court perspective from a basketball perspective it is the right choice he is the best freshman in college basketball he's definitely the best freshman in this conference and he's been the best player in this conference all season long that includes his 41 point performance the day after all of this stuff came out it includes all of that and look he he is the best player in this conference, and he he got the award, and, and it is what it is. For his on-court performance, it's the right move. Are we surprised that – I'm not surprised Buzz Williams won coach co-coach of the year. Mm-hmm. Stackhouse, I'm a little surprised. I'm a little surprised because of what Missouri did this year. Missouri was picked to come 11th in the league, and they're fourth. Yeah. I would have I would have yeah. gone there before Stackhouse. I know what Stackhouse did was was impressive in conference play, but I just thought it was interesting. Yeah, and as you mentioned, you have co-coach of the year Jerry Stackhouse and Buzz Williams. I hate co awards. I hate when there's two people that win the same award. Like you could have picked one or the other, and I think it could be Buzz Williams. I think it should be Buzz Williams. And look, what Stackhouse did was fantastic down the stretch in conference play absolutely he he did a really good job but I hate when two people win the same award because that tells me we're indecisive we don't know which way to go and we don't want to hurt anybody's feelings so we're going to just pick both of them to try to make more people happy but that's not what this is about this is about picking the best player the best coach the best whatever the category is pick the best one and Buzz Williams was the best coach, given the circumstances, given his team, given the predictions, given everything. Buzz Williams has been the best coach in the SEC. There's no reason it should be co-coach of the year. Same thing with the sixth man. You had two guys win co-sixth man of the year. It's Javon Quinterly. It's Quinterly. He's a, he is a fantastic player. He went from a starter on Alabama's team to now coming off the bench as the sixth man. He has carried that team to a couple of wins, including against Auburn just last week, coming off the bench, using that leadership, using his experience. He is the sixth man of the year. I just hate when you give out co-awards. I just I think it's dumb. I really do. I think the numbers, the numbers would tell you Reeves deserves it <clears throat> as much, if not more. And if you want to go that route, cool. But don't give it to both of them. Not saying neither one of them deserves it, but make a choice. Antoni- make a decision. Antonio Reeves uh, off the bench averaged 14.2, and 1 this year, and 1.1. Um, Quinterly, I'm curious what his stats were this year. I know they got a lot better here recently, but um, – 7.8, 1.8, and 3.7. So he facilitated a little bit better. Uh, Reeves was a better shooter. Um, I don't know. I don't know. It's, there's an, it's, I, I, I am totally okay with saying there's an argument the, to be made for both. The numbers would, would tell you Reeves deserves it more. I think Quinterly gets it. 
it's part of being in the conference for your fourth straight year or fifth straight year, whatever it is, and um, being a guy who's been a part of an SC regular season championship before and tournament championship, I guess, and yeah, um, has been a part of that NATO roster for a long time. You do get a benefit of the doubt over a transfer in like Reeves. I just look at Quinterly and him coming off the bench and winning a couple of games for Alabama here late. And and again, I'm okay if there's an argument to be made for both players. That's fine. But make the decision. I just I, I hate and it's not just the SEC. You see this all over the place. You see it pro, you see it college, you see it high school, whatever. Pick one. One of them is better than the other. Sit down, make a vote, and pick the best mm-hmm. one. It's the same way with the coach of the year. That one I think is a lot more obvious in my opinion, but I just don't like co co awards, but it is what it is. You have uh, Javon Quinterly and Antonio Reeves win co sixth man of the year. But big news here is that Brandon Miller from Alabama has won the SEC freshman of the year and Alabama player of the year. To get a couple of Auburn names here in the rotation, you had Wendell Green Jr. and Janai Broom both make second team all SEC. So, first team all SEC, I think, has four centers on it. Yeah, Yeah, and no Auburn players, but again, Wendell Green, Janai Broom make second team All-SEC. We'll talk about that some more coming up in just a little bit, but we'll have Joey Blackwell, Alabama Central, to join us when we come back. You are on the line with Jacob Goins. And Carter Bird on ESPN 106.7, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. 30 minutes into hour number one here on the Monday edition of On the Line. Jacob Goins and Carter Bird with you here on March 6, 2023. And as we welcome in Joey Blackwell of Bama Central, he joins us every Monday at 2.30. Joey, hope all is well uh, up there in Tuscaloosa. Know it's a busy time with basketball now officially over of the regular season. We have the SEC tournament coming up in Nashville. Are you going to making the trip to Nashville? Yep, I'll be driving up there uh, sometime Thursday morning. Be there as long as Alabama is. Wow, there you go. There you go. Well, enjoy that. I know you will uh, be extremely busy uh, covering the Alabama Crimson Tide as they are in, of course, Nashville for the SEC tournament this week. And before we get to that, we'll talk about what happened over the weekend. We'll talk about some of the awards that came out today, and then we'll get into the SEC tournament. And you look at Alabama down the stretch. They, of course, get the win over Auburn last week in uh, in the midweek game, 90-85, to in a very uh, hostile game, a very controversial game around uh, the state of Alabama. And then they turn around and go and take a tough loss at Texas A&M on Saturday, 67-61. to What have you seen in these last two games here down the stretch as Alabama gets ready for postseason play? Well, I think there's there's some positive and some negatives to this Alabama team and what we've seen from them. Um, I think we'll we'll start with the positives here. I really like uh, depth has been a, a strength to this team all season. And in the games, you know, the past three or four games, they've been falling behind early, but their depth has ultimately been what's propelled them through. It finally came to a collapse against Texas A&M, but the three games prior to that, the depth was what kept them in there. Another positive is defense. Um, you know, during Alabama's run to the Sweet 16 a couple of years ago, they were ranked number three in the country in defensive efficiency. And this team is at that exact same point right now. They're number three in the country, according to Ken Palm. So I like their strengths there. And then finally, you know, another positive point is just Brandon Miller. I mean, what else can you say? I'm sure we'll be talking about him in a second when we talk about the awards. But 
he he really, you know, despite all the off the court stuff that's been going on, he still has been just as consistent. Um, his three point shooting could use some work, um, but overall, he's he's still been a, a mainstay. But that being said, there's still some bad things that overall, like I just said, the three point shooting overall, um, that they're really really struggling beyond the arc, and this is a team that really. Um, has has built this offense on the three pointer. Right now, over the past four games, they're 25 of 116 from deep, which is just 22. percent um, So they could really um, they have six days of practice or six days between their last game and their game on Friday. So hopefully that'll be enough. Also, just sluggish starts and turnovers are two final things that they really need to work on. So there are still some positives on, on this team that you know have the potential to get them far. But if they don't iron out the kinks that have been you know a problem over these past couple weeks, then who knows? Friday might be their first and only day in Nashville. Joey, when you look at the way Alabama's played over the last four games, they haven't been quite as dominant as we have seen um, at really before that point the rest of the season. Uh, how worried are Alabama fans, especially coming off a loss at in College Station, moving into the SEC tournament and then the NCAA tournament? I don't think Alabama fans are that concerned about the SEC tournament. Obviously, you know it is a it is a title that you want to win, but at the same time, um, this is a team that's already won the SEC regular season. I mean, don't get me wrong, Alabama fans definitely want to win it, but I don't think there's as much concern about the SEC tournament because at worst, Alabama is going to be a two seed, but more likely they're going to be a one seed um, in the NCAA tournament. So I think that's where the worries are a little bit more concerning. I think there is a lot of um, concern among Alabama fans right now just because of how they played over the past couple weeks. Now, there is some positivity um, given that NATO said on Saturday they were giving the players um, Sunday off and then they were supposed to hit the court again today and do a lot of film study. And um, they have, you know, four full days to be able to do that um, before, before Friday's game. So um, that break comes at a perfect time because there's definitely a lot of work that needs to be done right now. Speaking with Joey Blackwell of Bama Central, who joins us every Monday here on the show. Just a little bit ago this afternoon, the SEC announced all of their yearly awards and a couple of Alabama players on that list. You had uh, Javon Quinterly, who was named co-sixth man of the year. Uh, I made a point in uh, before we actually got you on the phone about how I dislike co-awards, how I think you should just make a selection one or the other. And, and I believe that it should have been Javon Quinterly overall. But he wins co-sixth man of the year with Antonio Reeves from Kentucky. And then the big one, Brandon Miller, wins SEC freshman of the year and SEC player of the year. Are you surprised by either one of those guys getting uh, uh, the awards that they were given? You know, regarding regarding on-the-court play, I'm not surprised at all. I mean, I think there's nobody more deserving than Brandon Miller this year for either of those awards. Um, but, you know, I, I was a little bit... I wasn't sure how it was going to play out. You know, we already saw that Brandon Miller wasn't a finalist for the Wooden Award this year. I know that got a lot of um, discussion going on social media. I'm um, not finishing in the top 15 there. Um, and it's clear that, you know, off the, the stuff that happened off the court was a huge factor in why he was, you know, not in that final list. So heading into the day, it was a question of whether or not coaches of the conference were going to, you know, consider that in their voting. Clearly they didn't. Um, that's why he's first-teamer and then um, got player in freshman of the year. So um, I, I, I'm, I'm a little bit surprised. But at the same time, if you're, if you're just looking at it from an on-the-court, you know, hardwood perspective, I don't think there's very many players that have a better case than Brandon Miller this year. Joey, when you look at the first and second teams for 
Uh, the way that Alabama was as dominant as it was this year, you surprised that just Brandon Miller and Mark Sears cracked those two teams. I know that they had Betty Ako make the defensive team and Jaden Bradley and Noah, and Noah Clowney make the freshman team, but are you surprised that we don't see more Alabama logos on the first and second team? Um, I am a little bit, but I think I think one of the issues with Alabama this year is that they've had a – it goes back to what I said earlier about their depth. A lot of um, their depth has come off the bench this year, and those have been players that have – performed well now mark sears and and players like like you know charles bediaco um jaden bradley no clowny have all been starters but they they haven't been the starters that have been playing the most minutes yes they're at the start of the game but they're rotated out a lot you know whereas a player like brendan miller or mark sears i have to look at a stat sheet but i'm pretty sure the, the, the pair of them probably have more minutes than most other players on the team so due to that depth there is a constant rotation so um i think that has a way of of, I don't want to say misleading, but I think it does have a way of, of overshadowing those players that might have deserved to be on there. Do I think that the teams were, were correct? Yes. I, I think that both Mark Sears and Brandon Miller are, are you know, speak for themselves. It would be a stretch to put somebody like, don't get me wrong, Noah Clowney and Jaden Bradley have both had really good years, mm-hmm. but it'd be kind of a stretch to include them um, as well on these, you know, on these first and second teams. Are these things that... Nate Oates makes a big deal about guys making first and second team in the SEC, winning co-sixth player or sixth man of the year, player of the year, freshman of the year, making defensive team and freshman team. Are these things that Nate Oates makes a big deal about, or they just take their award and continue to look towards the postseason? I, I think that's probably the latter there. Um, no doubt at the, end, at the absolute end of the season, they will go back and reflect and, and celebrate these honors. But right now, you know, NATO's wants to keep the players' eyes on the prize, and right now that's the SEC tournament. And then, as Sunday afternoon, that'll be the NCAA tournament. So, um, I, I don't. I think this team has been really, really focused this year. Um, I think they're trying to avoid distractions as best they can, and I'm sure awards um, and individual accolades are on that list of distractions to avoid. So, um, I can't speak 100% for NATO's, but just having covered him since he came to Alabama, that's probably how I feel he feels about it. Well, they're looking toward the SEC tournament, which will begin on Wednesday this week in Nashville, Alabama, the top overall seed in the SEC tournament. They will play in the quarterfinals on Friday uh, as they were given the double bye along with Missouri, Texas A&M, and Kentucky. Alabama awaits the winner of number eight, Florida, and number nine, Mississippi State. This is sort of a two-parter here. Who does Alabama want to see in that first game? And then what is the best path to an SEC championship for Alabama? Yeah, you know, I I think Alabama wants to see Florida um, first. I I think that would be a better matchup. Um, Alabama handled them um, relatively well earlier in the season. They did have some struggles, but I think um, this is a team that – has done really well when they play teams second time, <laughs> Auburn notwithstanding. Um, I, I, so I, I really like Florida in that matchup. But the easiest path, I mean, it, 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 uh, let's, just, let's just go ahead and be honest here. Ole Miss and South Carolina aren't going to make it to the semifinals, so we're, not gonna, we're going to pretend that doesn't happen. Um, I, I, think that, uh, I think Alabama would probably rather play Missouri right now, even though they are the higher seed. Um, Alabama did um, beat them twice this year. Um, including on the road. Um, now, that being said, Missouri is a really hot team right now. Um, but I, I like Alabama's odds against them over Tennessee right now, even with the loss from, um, for Tennessee at Auburn. Um, I, I, I don't think that's going to be an issue. Um, and then if they do make it to the championship, I think the, 
the, the team they want to face would probably be Kentucky. Um, if you're looking at just the quarterfinals team, um, Texas A&M, um, that score was closer than that game actually was. Texas A&M really had Alabama handled, and no doubt I think they could probably do that again should they face each other in the championship game. Joey, when you look at uh, kind of switching gears to baseball, Alabama baseball is 12-0 right now coming off uh, a sweep of UIC. They've got Sanford and Alabama State in the midweek before they take on Columbia in the final weekend before conference play. What have you seen out of this Alabama team so far, and just how impressive has this 12-0 start been? Yeah, you know, every time I'm impressed by this album of my offense, it continues to get even better. Um, we saw that this weekend, you know, with, with Ed Johnson, you know, who now he had two grand slams over the weekend, you know, now has um, – I'm sorry, not Ed Johnson, thinking of Colby Shelton. Sorry about that. <laughs> Colby Shelton, you know, he had seven home runs. Sorry, and he had, you know, two two grand slams over the weekend. Just a remarkable um, effort by him. You know, third, uh, third base was a, was a position that, you know, Alabama thought that – Alabama fans thought they were going to struggle with this year just because of Zane Ditton transferring from there to Tennessee. But Colby Shelton's coming there as a freshman and has done a remarkable job. Um, I, I really like what I've seen, but it's kind of like what I've said on the show before. It's really hard to gauge this team until they you know, head off in the SEC play. Um, fortunately, they do kind of dip their toe into SEC play to start. You know, They do play Florida and Kentucky to start off, so hopefully they can get some SEC wins under the belt because they're definitely going to need them once you uh, – you know, once you head down the stretch, because any any conference schedule is tough in the SEC. Uh, in the SEC, but Alabama really, really has a, a brutal second half of the schedule this year. Oh, it doesn't help that uh, half and three fourths of the SEC is ranked in the top twenty-five and, and got to make postseason ball. The entire SEC West gets ranked <laughs> all the time. It feels like. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty it's pretty funny that you know Alabama is. 12 and 0 and I think they're I think they're the lowest ranked team in the SEC West right now I'm pretty sure and they're up to 18 so um I I think that says a lot about just how good the SEC West is this year oh yeah there's no doubt and Joey one more thing before we let you go has has the strengths and weaknesses of this team changed over the last or the first 12 games I should say uh is it more on the hitting side on the pitching side on the defensive side has any of that changed and what have you seen over these first 12 games yeah, you know, I think that when they started off, I was impressed by both the pitching and the and the hitting. So, you know, but but I think over time, I've the offense has continued to improve. I've really liked what I've seen from them. I mean, when you have, you know, when you have uh, five batters that are batting three seventy five or higher, I mean, you can't not be impressed by that. Um, but with that being said, I think I think the pitching has kind of slackened off a little bit. Um, they definitely need to pick up the game heading into SEC play. You know. Against UIC, they allowed seven runs on, on Sunday. Um, they allowed High Point to have um, you know to score a total of twelve runs over three games. Um, so I, I'd really like to see you know um, the, the the pitching you know strengthen a little bit before SEC play. But fortunately, you know they do have their first true road game. You know I know it's Stanford, I know it's close, but that is a true road game for them. And then they have Alabama State and Columbia, and then they have a true road game down to South Alabama before facing Florida. So hopefully they're able to. Not just get a road to murder experience, but you know, help um, solve, solve the issues they've been having on the mound before SEC play gears up. Joey Blackwell, Alabama Central. He joins us every Monday here on the show. Man, have a great time in Nashville. That's going to be a lot of fun. And uh, one more thing before we let you go: does Nat, does Alabama hold the trophy on Sunday in Nashville as SEC tournament champs? 
Oh man, you put it, you're putting me on a spot. Absolutely. As I like to say yes as the number one seed, but I'm also I'm never really one to go for chalk. So <laughs> there you go. I really like I really like what I've seen from Texas A&M. Um, Vanderbilt's also a team to look out for, even when they have to play Kentucky. Um, Missouri has given Alabama problems, so I think Alabama will hoist the trophy, but it is not going to be an easy road. Well, it should be a fantastic tournament, as will the NCAA tournament, man. We'll talk to you next Monday, and we'll preview the NCAA tournament and talk about this SEC tournament in Nashville as well. Have a great trip, and let everybody know before you get out of here where they can keep up with you and all your great coverage for Bama Central. Absolutely. Everybody can find me on BamaCentral.com. Um, that's where all my writing as well as all my um, co-writers, all of our stuff is. And then everybody can follow me on Twitter at Blackwell Sports, and I'm um, should be giving a Live updates, not just for Alabama, but for other games across the SEC and this tournament heading into this weekend. So be sure to watch out for my coverage, and uh, thank you guys for having me. Of course, man. Always good to talk to you. And again, safe travels. We'll talk to you on Monday. Absolutely. Sounds great. Thank you. That is Joey Blackwell, again, of Bama Central. Joins us every Monday here on the show talking all things Alabama athletics as they lose to Texas A&M in their uh, finale of the regular season. They're the one seed in the SEC tournament. They await the winner of Florida and Mississippi State in Nashville. When we come back, we'll wrap up hour number one. We'll take a look at the SEC tournament bracket. Break it all down on the other side. You are on the line. On ESPN 1067, call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. Wrapping up our number one here on the Monday edition of On the Line. Big thank you to Joey Blackwell of Bama Central, who joined us just a few minutes ago. He's on here every single Monday uh, talking all things Alabama athletics as uh, Alabama loses their uh, regular season finale to Texas A&M and Credit to AM, man. I mean, they are they're playing good basketball. You you've got to give it credit where it's due. They're playing good basketball. They beat Alabama on the final uh, game of the year. They're now, uh, of course, a top four seed in the SEC tournament. They are the second seed. Uh, they will play the winner of uh, Auburn and Arkansas. And so that is what uh, A&M awaits. But again, big thank you to Joey Blackwell of Bama Central uh, joining us. But uh, as we got a couple of minutes here, we'll talk more about it uh, as the show goes on and as the week goes on. I've said that a few times. But just to look at the SEC tournament bracket, uh, you've got it starts on Wednesday uh, on March 8th. This coming Wednesday in Nashville. And starts with South Carolina, the 12 seed, taking on Ole Miss, the 13 seed. Then you have Georgia, the 11 seed, taking on LSU, the 14 seed. Uh, that'll be the two games that are on Wednesday. Then you have uh, number eight, Florida, and number nine, Mississippi State. This will be starting on Thursday. Then number five, Tennessee, versus either South Carolina or Ole Miss. Then you have number seven, Auburn, as they take on number 10, Arkansas. And then you have number six, Vanderbilt, and they take on the winner of Georgia and LSU. Then on Friday, you have the quarterfinals. These are the four teams that that, uh, qualified for the double bye. And... And they qualified for the double bye. And Alabama, the number one seed, will take on the winner of Florida and Mississippi State. We just talked to Joey Blackwell about that uh, a couple of minutes ago. He said Alabama would rather see Florida, given what they have already done against the Gators and given what Mississippi State's doing right now. Then the second game on Friday will be number four, Missouri. And they await the winner of Tennessee and 
South Carolina or Ole Miss. It's probably going to be Tennessee, which that's going to make for a fantastic game, Missouri-Tennessee, on Friday if that does end up happening. But, like, so that's the thing is I don't know how Missouri beat them the first time, especially having watched Auburn play Missouri and watching the lack of size Missouri had. Mm -hmm. Auburn just feast on that in Neville Arena. I don't understand how... Tennessee lost that first time out with how physical and how big they are. They're going to be bigger in this matchup without Ziegler. I don't know. I think it'll be it'll be very interesting to watch that game. Yeah. I mean, if Missouri pushes the pace like last time, because Missouri wants to play fast, Tennessee does not. If they push the pace, then yeah, they they could turn it into a game that um, looks very weird and for for. Tennessee and Tennessee's not comfortable with. Yeah, well, one team wants to play in the 80s and the other team wants to play in the 60s. So, yes. and that's that's going to be a very interesting matchup if Tennessee can take care of business against South Carolina or Ole Miss. Third game on Friday, uh, second seed at Texas A&M. They await uh, Auburn or Arkansas, which we'll talk about that game later on in the week. Should be a, a tough matchup for both sides. We've seen these teams play once already. It was early on. It was different. So I'm Auburn, so confused by this Arkansas team though. i am too i because am too they showed signs that they were starting to gel and play better ball and then they do things like not take advantage of big opportunities to get wins to to climb the sec standings i mean you look at the fact that um they've lost five of their last seven uh they lost to state at home in a game that i think they should have won uh, they lost to AM on a, on the road when I thought they had a great opportunity to, to go get that win. Then you look at, at Alabama. They had a chance there late. They gave them a fight. At Tennessee, you can't get blown out in that game. And then yeah. Kentucky at home. Like, I don't get it. Yeah. Speaking of Kentucky, they're the third seed. They await the winner of Vanderbilt in either Georgia or LSU. Shane, we've got you on the phone. Want to give you plenty of time. We'll start hour number two with you. Auburn Opelika's sports leader. Online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. To be on the line, call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. You are on the line with Jacob Goins and Carter Bird. You're on the line here on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika Sports Leader. Happy Monday, everybody. Monday, March 6th, 2023. Hope you're all doing well on a beautiful sunny afternoon here in the Auburn Opelika area. Well, if you missed any of the first hour, be sure to go and catch up with the podcast. You can find it at ESPNAU.com. You know where to find it under the podcast center. It'll be commercial free right there after the show. We talked to Joey Blackwell of Bama Central on hour number one. 
Got his thoughts on Alabama's uh, final regular season game as they lost on the road to Texas A&M and how they are now the number one seed in the SEC tournament. A couple of Crimson Tide players also got some SEC awards this afternoon as well. So we got his thoughts on all of that coming up and his prediction for the SEC tournament in Nashville. So we talked about that and Auburn's win against Tennessee and a whole lot more. So if you missed any of the first hour, go catch up with the podcast right after the show, ESPNAU.com. But we got to get to the phone lines. We've had Shane waiting on for a couple of minutes. And Shane, we appreciate you holding on through the break. Wanted to give you plenty of time to talk, man. We're glad you're here. Happy Monday. Hey, guys. How are y'all today? Doing all, all right, right, Shane. Man. How are you? Hey, I'm well. Um, y'all remember, I'm, I'm, I was one point off from, yes. from two predictions. Shane, yeah. Shane I gave uh, you a shout-out on, on after the game for, for being as close awesome. as you were. Hey man, that, that's, that was, that was, I was pretty. I was pretty close to. to I mean, I don't think you get it, get much closer. Oh yeah, nine points. 79. I think we're gonna win by double digits, and we were gonna reach eighty. And and, and man, I, I can take this seventy nine because we played pretty well. <laughs> yeah. We oh well. yeah. No doubt. You shot fifty five percent in the second half and scored the most points that Tennessee has given up in a, in a half all year long. Yeah, and I think. Isn't that one half more than we scored? Yeah, it was way more than we scored the first game with Tennessee. We scored the 40, like 40. Yeah, Auburn scored 43. 43, 43 46, 43, 43, yeah. 46, 43 for the game uh, by both teams, and Auburn scored 49 in the second half against Tennessee on Saturday. Yeah. I, 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 I very much thought that that's what was going to happen. Um, we, just, we, just, we were, we were a, a homebody team this year. And um, I, I I hope what we can get, we can just we can deal with a neutral. You know, if we can just if we can bring almost all of that to a neutral site, you know, uh, since there's you know it's not going to be any any home field advantages. Um, ho- hopefully we can we can um, we can win a few more games this year. Um, I, I don't know though. I have no idea what the what the rest of this team is going to look like. Right, and that's the thing with the SEC tournament and and the NCAA tournament. Good news is you don't have to play any true road games. Bad news is you don't get any good home games. And so uh, if you remember Auburn playing in in the non-conference schedule, their only neutral floor loss was the game against Memphis in Atlanta. Um, They won every other game that they played neutral site in tournaments and different, uh, different special games, right? But the only one they lost was Memphis in Atlanta. And so... I think Auburn will be fine playing neutral site. Uh, I think if Auburn makes a run this a weekend, better, they're a lot better in neutral site than they are on the road. No doubt about it. And and I think right. if Auburn makes a run this weekend in Nashville, Auburn fans will make the trip. There's a huge Auburn fan base in Nashville. There's a huge fan base in Nashville of Auburn fans. And so I think they will show up. They did for the Vanderbilt game. I was there. That was a 50-50 crowd at Vanderbilt. And so I think Auburn fans would show up if Auburn made a run if this weekend. If you're an Auburn fan, right now you got to be rooting for jerry palms bracketology to be correct because he has auburn as the eight seed playing nine seed iowa in birmingham in the first round oh that'd be awesome and i'll definitely go to that we are we you're talking about a situation where auburn could take over birmingham and and turn right both of the i mean the that first game and potentially a second game into home games and make it very difficult Man, on so on Iowa or Houston or whoever you would run into in that game. 
that would be amazing if, if it turned out like that. And Alabama's uh, really been in that like same we, situation we too. Yeah, Alabama is is the other yeah. one seed in Houston or in Birmingham right now. I think they're paired up with uh, the winner of Southeastern Alabama, yeah. Missouri State and Fairleigh Dickinson, who by the way didn't win their tournament. Yep. Or or got got yeah. the benefit of the doubt because they got beat by a team who's ineligible for the NCAA tournament. I kind of feel like Auburn uh, would relish the, the idea of uh, of meeting Alabama again. I, I think I think we would. Um, we, we we got some some things uh, left left on the court, and um, I don't think Auburn's scared of Alabama at, at all. So if we play if we play them in Birmingham, that'd be you know that'd be that'd be a fifty fifty you know crowd right there. That, that would be a, an excellent game if if that if that were to end up happening in that way yeah and and i don't know if if there is a possibility to where um and correct me if i'm wrong here carter but there's a way for auburn to play in birmingham and alabama to play in birmingham but not actually meet in birmingham in the bracket at all like there's that's probably that's probably not going to happen but there is a chance that both teams do happen to play in birmingham and they could be on different portions of the bracket okay got you got you but there's a chance but, that both uh, of them play in, in in Birmingham, which would be a basic home game for them, for either one. For for both of them, yeah, for both of them. Um, yeah, other than that, um, I got to see some um, – we went to uh, softball on Friday, which was awesome. Yeah, um, they, they had a great weekend. That was a, a good game. That was a good game Friday. Uh, it they was, did I pick up their, their second loss. Their game. win streak uh, came to an end finally. When they lost two to one to South Alabama on Saturday, I want to say. Was it, okay. I'll yeah, they they did have one loss over the weekend. Won, they had won like sixteen straight games when they finally took yeah. t- took a loss for the first time in a long time. Yeah, I think they were four and one on the weekend. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we uh, on Friday uh, the one they, it kept getting postponed because of the rain. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can't remember who we were playing. It was it was um, I think we. Did we play South Alabama twice? Yes, they beat South Alabama three nothing on okay, Friday, yeah. and then on Saturday lost yeah, them two that's to one. That's the one we saw. That they're that's a good team right there. It yeah. really is. Yeah, South Alabama. Yeah, um, agreed. But yeah, but yeah, we we went um, we went and saw that. It was a, it was a great game. Went to Callaway Gardens on Saturday, and then go went to see some baseball uh, Auburn baseball on Sunday. So Excellent. Sounds weekend. like a great weekend, man. Auburn softball and baseball both playing well, and both really fun atmospheres uh, for for family and fans. Yeah. Yeah, where are you go, guys? Yeah, appreciate the call, appreciate Shane. It. Good to hear from you. And again, we appreciate you holding on uh, through our top of the hour break. But we're going to get back to the phone lines 334 321 1390. Terry, you're on the line. Welcome in. Hey, guys. Suspector doesn't like what I have to say about Wendell Green. <laughs> <laughs> no, well, he, he called you out about your take on Wendell Terry, Green, given Terry, his performance I, on Saturday. I do think generally most people don't think it's fair the way that. Uh, you were still critical of him after Saturday. Well, I, I, I don't think that's as much me, Carter and Jacob, compared to how he really plays. I mean, he's 24, 24, great point scoring, but four assists, that, that kind of leads to my point. He don't involve his teammates enough, so that's – but I'm not going to go there. I expect the, the, the pollen on the ground, I said, will increase my sleeping habits less more than you will. So, okay. Um, how do you guys feel – and first of all, for Shane, I, listen, Alabama was doing Birmingham, which is impossible, Jacob said. 
It will, uh, not, will not be 50-50. Is that what you, Jacob, said? Yeah, well, Shane, yeah, sorry. he was – He was because we said both teams have a chance to play in Birmingham, but there there's not, not a possibility to play against each other unless Auburn, according to Lenardi right now, is an 11 seed, unless they went and just won the tournament and moved up to an 8 or 9 seed. Well, so Jay, and Jerry Palm on CBS says Auburn is an 8 seed in Birmingham. If they were to, there is a, I guess, a scenario. I'm not sure the committee would do this. There is some sort of a scenario where Alabama's a one seed in Birmingham and Auburn could be an eight or a nine in the same region. There's I no shot they do that. No shot. Well, after I've lived in Birmingham for 33 years and, and being in Talladega, which is basically a suburb of Birmingham, I can assure you it's never been 50-50, and it never will be. Yes, agreed. No, agreed. You can sell yourself on all you want, but it won't, it's not. But it's also basketball, and I, I think that would be an interesting conversation, too, of what would, be the, you, what would be the basketball fan split. Football, yeah, absolutely. But what would be the, Bur- or what would be the basketball split of an Auburn-Alabama game in the NCAA tournament played uh, in downtown Birmingham? 60-40. And then yeah. football is going to be seventy-five, twenty-five. Terry, I got a question for you. Um, okay. What is, what do you think the ceiling of this Auburn team is in the NCAA tournament based on what we've seen the past week? Next week. What do you mean next week? After the SEC tournament, and then they'll be out in the first round. They'll be out in the first. I'm not sure about that, Terry. Interesting. Auburn's played the best week of basketball it's played all season long. If they continue to play at that level, this Auburn team is not is capable of beating Arkansas. On Thursday, they're capable of beating A&M on Friday, uh, and they're capable. How about that? That'd be an exact payback for what happened last year where A&M survived against Florida and then just dominated Auburn in the first game of the SEC tournament. And if a frog had wings, he wouldn't bump his butt either, right? (laughs) Terry, I I think you're selling this team short. I really do. I, you know, look, maybe I'm being a little hard. I'm just kidding around a lot of times. But at the same time, <laughs> how many times in March have you heard about guard play being the key? Auburn's guards are terrible. I'm sorry. They're too small. You know, there's no, there's no, they're not a great shooters. They're not exceptionally well, quick. I mean, come on, let's be honest. I will say, if you look at the numbers over the last couple months here, Auburn has gotten significantly better shooting the basketball over the last nine games. Auburn's a 38.8% three-point shooting team, which puts them – if you take that percentage over an entire season, that would be a top 10 three-point shooting team in America? Well, I'm not wishing them any bad luck or ill will or anything. I'm just saying that, 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 that I just don't think SEC's very good this year, and I don't think Auburn's very good. Well, I, mean, I think Bruce Pearl's frustration is basically what he's got on the team he's had to work with. He said, I've done, I took this team as far as I can. As, as much as we say the SEC is not very good this year, the SEC is going to get two more teams into the tournament than it did last year. I mean, the SEC got six in last year. They're going to get eight in this year, which will be the second most of any league uh, with the way it's currently set up. Possibly nine if Vanderbilt makes a nasty run in Nashville. Vanderbilt's Mm. not making a nasty run without Liam Robbins. Come on now. Come on now. There's not a a team in this conference that relies on a one specific player more than Vanderbilt does Liam Robbins. I know. I, I I know. I think Florida relies on a big guy too much. Well, he's out too, but but honestly, I I think with what you've seen Florida do, um, Florida, I think has more talent around. They had more talent around Castleton when he was healthy than Vanderbilt does around Liam Robbins. Liam Robbins, to me, when I watch that team play, he is the only player that Vanderbilt has that jumped off the page, jumped off the screen for me. 
Guys, you know, I think the most vulnerable team right now is in the Southeastern Conference. I think it's Alabama. I, yeah. I knew that was Alabama. Come. I felt that one coming. Yeah. No, I mean, there's, they're at the, yeah, they're victories, but they're close victories. They're not 20 point wins, and they just got, you know, beat Saturday. So I just think that the, the, the off the court stuff is starting to catch up to them a little bit. And I think it definitely has played a factor in their performance over the last 10 days, four games, and you can't tell me that it hasn't. And there's a, a legitimate conversation of is Alabama playing their worst basketball of the season going into March? I think, I think if you look at it, ever since the Brandon Miller stuff has come out, the four games immediately following that, Alabama all of a sudden does not look like this uh, invincible, immortal roster that was playing out the, the, the entire season. Like, they've looked vulnerable against some of these other teams. And they right now, if you, if you look at it, I would pick Mississippi State to beat that Florida team on Thursday, which means it would be Alabama versus Mississippi State. That is a Mississippi State team that the last time they played – Lost by three in Coleman, and they're not in Coleman on Friday if they ma- if they match up. Well, that's why Alabama will win the national championship or go to the Final Four because they don't play the NCAA tournament Coleman Coliseum. Yeah, which is fair. And I that, agree with you. So, um, last thing, guys. Um, uh, you know, we'll, we'll, we can't make predictions, and I can't throw my first bracket away till next week. So, yeah. you know, because that's what I'm going to do. I, I don't last past the first or second day. Uh, I'm happy if I get to the weekend. Everybody should be happy if they get to the weekend, especially this year, Terry, because it's going to be insanity in March Madness. This is my first tournament retired, so I can actually take all the games in. There you go. Sit back and enjoy them. For 25 years, I had to sit and plan my schedule around them. This year, I got to do that. Yeah, well, we'll have at least one game on here in our studio, watching some on our laptops, phones, whatever we got to do to take them in as well. Appreciate it, guys. Have a good day. You too, Terry. Good to hear from you. That is Terry and Shane who joined us on the phone lines to start hour number two. We'd love to hear from you as well. 334-321-1390. And just for the record, Vanderbilt is 2-0 in their last two games without Liam Robbins because he played four minutes in that Kentucky game before he got hurt. They beat Kentucky. Then they ended the year with a win over Mississippi State. Two tournament teams as of right now. So I think Vanderbilt can make a run in Nashville. not saying they're going to. I don't think they will, but I think they're very capable of doing it. So, And if they make a run... Will they make the NCAA tournament, given what the what the uh, NCAA tournament and its committee have proven to us in the past? No, Vanderbilt will not make the tournament, even if they make a run at Texas A&M last year. But I still think it's possible. I don't think they will, but I think it's possible. I just think that's interesting. Yeah, I mean, I just... You I can't don't. take two wins away from them without Liam Robbins against two NCAA tournament teams. I get teams. it, man. I do. I just don't, I don't think they're going to keep it up. I think that... <laughs> I, I, I do think once you get into a tournament play situation, I don't see this Vanderbilt team pulling any upsets like that. I That's think they'll me. win their first game. They're going to play either Georgia or LSU in their first game of the SEC tournament. I feel good well, about them beating That won't either. be an upset, to be honest with you. But, no, it won't be an upset. I think Georgia, Georgia – well, actually, I'll say this. Both of those teams are capable of beating them. Because th- think about it. Last time in a game where – Vander, we all like chalked it up as a Vanderbilt win versus LSU. Yeah, that's fair. We saw um, KJ Williams go for thirty-five points. Yeah, and and they beat Vanderbilt. And then that that Georgia team, that Georgia team is so confounding because depending on who shows up, like 
We've seen a Georgia team that has competed for 60 minutes out of 80 minutes against Kentucky and looked better than Kentucky in three of the four halves. Uh, we've seen them beat Auburn. We've seen, and then we've seen them look really bad and get blown out by teams as well. I, I, I the, the Georgia team, I think you're flipping a coin to see who shows up. But if you look at the flip side, if Vanderbilt takes care of business against either Georgia or LSU, their quarterfinal matchup is against Kentucky, who just a week ago, they went to Rupp Arena and beat Kentucky without their best player. And they're going to be in Nashville. Vanderbilt fans are going to show up. They're going to have some fans there at Bridgestone Arena when they play Kentucky. Now, we know Big Blue Nation travels. We know that. Vanderbilt plays home football games, and it's 70-30 other teams' fans in their own building. And they're playing the worst possible (laughs) opponent because Kentucky fans travel like crazy. They'll travel to China and watch them play if they have to. But I'm just saying, I don't think Vanderbilt can be completely written off. I don't think they're actually going to make a deep run in Nashville, but I do think they have a chance because they've been shooting pretty well, and that's given them two wins over NCAA tournament teams here without their best players. So I don't think it's fair to completely write them off just yet. Fair. Uh, I just, I don't, I personally don't see it. I don't think that this, I don't see this Vanderbilt team running through um, Georgia, LSU, the winner there, then Kentucky, then the winner of, well, I guess if you go off seeding, Texas A&M, and then potentially Alabama, if you just go off highest seed. I, I think that's a lot to ask of oh, this it, Vanderbilt it, team. No doubt about it. No doubt about it. Well, we got to get to our first break here at hour number two. We've had some great calls uh, to start today's show, and we had some great calls to start hour number two as well. We'd love to hear from you, your thoughts on uh, Auburn basketball's win on Saturday, the SEC tournament coming up this week, some FCC awards that were announced today. We'll talk about two Auburn Tigers who made all SEC second team when we come back. the line on ESPN 1067 online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app back inside the studio at ESPN 1067 Auburn up like a sports leader as we look at SEC awards that were uh, given out today uh, we talked a little bit about this in hour number one uh, when we had Joey Blackwell of Bama Central on the phone as we talked about Brandon Miller who won SEC freshman of the year and SEC player of the year uh, Javon Quinterly was co sixth man of the year no Auburn player got any of those uh, national award or the um, overall awards I should say but you did see two Auburn Tigers make it onto all SEC second team you had Wendell Green Jr. and Janai Broom make all SEC second team I think that's fair I think that's a good spot for both of them given the amount of talent in the SEC given their performance this season in the SEC and just overall I think all team second team for Wendell Green and Janai Broom is a good spot for them. Yeah, I mean, Janai being a 14.8.4 rebound guy who honestly has probably passed it a little bit better than I would have expected uh, this year. I mean, he, I mean, if you look actually in conference play, he's even better. He's 15.1 and 8.6. Um, he, he passes the ball a little bit, nothing too crazy. But he's also been, we've seen him improve steadily in all facets, um, 
in conference play. He's a 53.6% field goal shooter. Uh, he is actually 31.8% now from three in conference play. How about that? that? How about that? <laughs> I hate it. <laughs> and and for, it. for the season, if you remember in non-conference play, man, he was like a 40% three or free throw shooter. Yeah. Um, like he, he's was, really gotten better at the free throw line. And really there, gotten better. There was better. a stretch in time where he had about a month and a half where he was an 80% free throw shooter. Uh, if you look at it um, in non-conference play, I mean, he was not very good. 4 of 10 against uh, Memphis. 5 of 8 against uh, the A-10 teams that Auburn, Auburn played. 3 of 4 against Northwestern. 1 of 4 um, against Patriot League teams. And he's 66.1% um, in conference play, which is a lot better. Here's and, what I like about Janai Broom. You talk about his free throws. When he gets fouled and steps to the free throw line, most centers in basketball, whether it be NBA, college, high school, whatever, most of the time when the center gets fouled and steps to the free throw line, you're thinking, just get one. Just get one. Go one of two and let's move on. Which for a while with, with Janai, that was a thought process. But now I'm confident. I'm confident in Janai Broom as a free throw shooter to step up because and I feel that he can go two for two pretty consistently at the line. Now, obviously not every time, but I, when Janai Broom steps to the free throw line, I feel good about it. And there's not a lot of centers in this league or in college basketball right now that you can say that about. So I think that's a huge plus for Janai as we get into uh, an SEC tournament and the NCAA tournament. Something that I do think is is worth mentioning why probably both of these guys made second-team all-conference is their numbers are better in conference play than they were in non-conference play. I mean, Wendell... When you just look at conference games, he's 1.2 points better uh, per game. He's a better three-point shooter. He is a better free-throw shooter. Uh, he averages more assists. I mean, all of his numbers, for the most part, field goal percentage slightly down, uh, rebounds down a tenth, I think. But, I mean, even steals. He's a half a steal better in conference play. I mean, I think that that... That says something. He protects the basketball more. He's turning it over 0.4 uh, times fewer in conference play. Both of these guys, the numbers do get better in conference play, and that's worth mentioning when you look at these um, these teams. Is these coaches are voting on what they see in conference play, yeah. and these guys have been they've had some really high highs uh, in in SEC play this year, and. Um, I think, honestly, when you look up and down the league, there's not a lot of just dominant point guards in this conference. Um, you've got Mark Sears, Zakai Ziegler on this list, uh, Tyrese Radford as well. So you've got four guys, four kind of five point guards, because you got Anthony Black on there as well on this second team. Um, but when you look at a team that is, what, eight deep? I mean, I think Wendell Green's been a top 16 player in the SEC. I think the same thing for, for Janai Broom. I would go Janai Broom more yes, than I, Wendell Green. I, I agree. I agree. But yes, um, Wendell, and it's what we've talked about. It's what I've talked about a lot. It's what uh, Terry, who was on the phone with us a little bit ago, has talked about. The criticism of Wendell Green has been the inconsistency. Janai Broom went through a little phase of that where he would have a four-point performance and then he'd have a 20-point performance. I've said it all year long. Janai Broom is a walking double-double. 
There is no reason that Jani Broom should not have 10 points and 10 rebounds every single time he touches the floor. He's bigger, stronger, and just about better than anybody at his position. There are a couple of guys that he could see this week in Nashville or could see in the NCAA tournament that may put that and make that wrong, but Jani Broom is a walking double-double, and if he plays to his size and physicality, he can get 10 and 10 every single time. Wendell Green, on the other hand, I've talked about how I don't like him shooting the ball more than 10 times. I don't think that's what a point guard should do. Now, if you're going 8 of 14, that's a different story. If you're shooting it good and shooting it well, I should Mm -hmm. say, then we can talk. But going 2 of 10, 2 of 12 from the field, that's not okay. And that's been the criticism for me. But yes, when Wendell Green is on like he has been, like he was on Saturday, he's a top 15 player in this league. Yeah. Um, You know what's interesting when I look at these lists now, when I think about it, because I'm thinking about Jalen Williams, Mm -hmm. who like I think at his best is Auburn's best player. Yes. I I firmly believe that. Yes. Um, But I don't think the numbers would push him into an all-conference first or second team. But then I looked at it and I was like, okay, first team, we know there's like five centers on that list. Um, second team, there's like five point guards on that list. I think Kobe Brown might be the only player you consider a true power forward. And even he's kind of a guard ish. He's a guardish power forward. That's a guy that can play list. just about all five positions. I mean, he's Kobe Brown is is a very, very good player. Uh, but when you when you just look at all of this for Auburn, you have Wendell Green again, who makes uh, who makes the All SEC second team along with Janai Broom as well. Uh, Auburn should be happy about that. Nobody on the first team, but you didn't really expect it. And again, given the given the inconsistencies of players on this team as well. You couldn't expect first team, but not too bad to get Wendell and Janai on all SEC second team. When we come back, we'll have Jacob Hillman of the Auburn Sports Network. He'll join us, talk all things Auburn athletics on the other side. You are on the line with Jacob Goetz and Carter Bird on ESPN 106.7, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. 30 more minutes here on the Monday edition of On the Line. Jacob Goins and Carter Bird with you here on the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back. Had a couple of phone callers uh, that were calling in there at the bottom of the hour. We apologize if you want to call back uh, as we end the show today. We'd love to hear from you, but we've got our usual Monday 3.30 guest, Jacob Hillman, clogging up the phone lines for some reason. He's here. I don't don't remember if we invited him or not. Just kidding. He joins us every Monday here (laughs) on the show. Jacob Hillman, hope you're doing well. Uh, you uh, again. You were on the call for some softball this weekend, huh? I, I was uh, men's basketball as well Saturday, so it was a loaded weekend to be sure. Well, we'll get into everything that happened in Auburn athletics. There's a lot to get to, so we'll jump right into it. Auburn ends the regular season basketball-wise with a win over Tennessee in a must-win, gotta-have-it scenario. They defeat Tennessee 79-70 to inside of Neville Arena, and the Tigers are going dancing to the NCAA tournament. What did you see on Saturday, and how were you feeling going into Nashville this week? It was just another magical day in Neville Arena. That, that, that's really what it felt like. It, it felt like some of those games in the 2022 season, even the Final Four year, the, like that Tennessee game to end that season, and uh, and some of the 2020 games. So it, it was nice to have that feeling inside Neville Arena again. And that, the jungle was rocking right behind us, and uh, so was the rest of the crowd, obviously. And uh, it, it was really nice to see that and get that must-win game and. I mean, man, was I impressed by 
uh, the game plan for Auburn is you had Tennessee without Zakai Ziegler, and they were playing a big lineup. And it, it, it was kind of funny seeing Wendell Green Jr. have to guard guys that were like 6'6 six, six or 6'8, six, but uh, he did a good job at it. And on the offensive end, I, I really thought all the guys that needed to play well just just did so much. I mean, obviously, you look at the production, and it's it, it's all from four guys, Wendell Green Jr., Janine Broom, Alan Flanagan, Jalen Williams. And they did what they needed to do, and you don't get the scoring you get you want from uh, guys below that. But they came in and made an impact, like Leo Berman. Only scored two points, but my lord, were they some of the two most emphatic points of that game? And it, it, it's just something that was really nice to see. And um, the last six minutes, not allowing a field goal when Tennessee Santiago Escobi was cooking and and other guys were playing well, it, it was just nice to see that defense step up when Auburn needed it most. Yeah, Jacob, I'm not I'm not sure if you and I have the same definition of <laughs> of emphatic, but I mean it, he dunked. Hey, That's the crowd yeah, went he nuts. He definitely did that. Crowd went nuts. Look, Leor Berman emphatic dunk is a little bit different than an Alex Flanagan emphatic dunk, so we'll go we'll 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 go there. And and, and, and Andy had a great call with it too. It, it was fantastic. Oh, it was a, a wonderful scene in Neville Arena when Leor Berman and Senior Day, right? It was a it really was a great day inside Neville Arena. Yeah, it was. And uh, like I said, whether whether it was Zeb Jasper with that driving layup or the defense he played in the last six minutes against Vescovy or Leor Berman getting his first dunk, and it, it was just awesome to see and. Everyone being on the way. Hey, Jalen Leopard got in the game at the end. So mm-hmm. He got some action on his senior day. It, it was a perfect scenario, a perfect storm. And, and, and like you said, it, it truly feels like Auburn's going to go dancing this year in the NCAA tournament. Obviously, you've got Nashville coming up, so uh, that's where the focus lays right now. When you look at the way that this Auburn team has played over the last week or so, uh, how much more confident does this team look, and how, how confident should Auburn fans be about this team's chances in Nashville and then in the NCAA tournament? It, it's interesting because obviously you end the season with getting blown out of Kentucky, then playing it down to the wire. You had a 16-point lead at number 2 Alabama, and then you come back and defeat number 12 Tennessee at home. So yeah, a lot of different scenarios to really look at. And I, and I think there is a lot of confidence to be gained from this past week and really the past half month or so Auburn's been shooting the ball better they've adjusted to different things I mean the fact you get out rebounded the way you do at Alabama or excuse me at Kentucky and then you come back against Alabama and do what you did there and uh, Auburn out rebounded a little bit against Tennessee but it didn't make a big difference uh, I just think it's really good to see this team making adjustments finding a little bit of confidence and I feel like following the game plan more. Just this team, you, you see what the plan is, and, and they really attack whatever is open for them. Jalen Williams, obviously, I just think, I mean, Saturday's game was just incredible. It's 13 points, eight rebounds, seven assists, and zero turnovers. Mm-hmm. That That's just an unbelievable thing to see. I think I think Justin Ferguson tweeted this stat out. Someone asked him how many people at his height have had that number, and only two other guys at mid-major programs have had that line at six, eight or taller this whole season. It's it's, it's an unbelievable number. I want to say that, that there's Ferg had another stat that Auburn players, I guess in the last decade, that have posted that stat line of 13 points, uh, what was it? Was it eight rebounds? Uh, eight rebounds seven and seven assists. The only other two, I think, are Javon McCormick and Sharif Cooper. You're right about that. Point. Hey, how about a point forward there? That, that's that's what I see. Yeah, how about it? 
Well, Ferg always finds uh, he's always good for a, a crazy stat or two. I've, I mean, I mean, I've I've got a couple over here. How about this? What what does this say about the way that this Auburn team? Because they won this game in the back half of the second half on rebounding mm-hmm. and defense. Uh, Auburn was getting out rebounded in the first eight minutes and six seconds of the second half, nine to one. Yet we're plus five on the on the scoreboard. From that point on, Auburn out rebounded Tennessee fourteen to seven, doubled them up. And right. then when you look at the fact that. Tennessee had hit six straight shots to take the lead by three with 6-13 left in the game. Then we saw Tennessee miss seven shots uh, from the field and lose the game by nine from that point on. What does it say about this Auburn team that I compared it to uh, the the Greek mythology story of when they push the boulder up the mountain and it rolls down and it feels like that big win. They've been so close, so close, so close. But the boulder keeps rolling down to the bottom of the mountain. This time, finally get it to the top. How do we feel about this Auburn team's ability to dominate crunch time and pull out a huge win? I didn't know you were a fan of Greek mythology, Carter. I didn't, I didn't take you. Hey, for that's that. that Carter, I hey. shout out to my English teacher mother for for well, who who actually was my teacher when I had to take <laughs> Greek mythology. There's no way that was fun. It was awesome. I love that. I love that so much. But, again, I think it goes back to the adjustment that this team made. Like you said, uh, they were getting out-rebounded early on in the second half and early on in the game, but everyone who got in grabbed a rebound other than Chandler Leopard, who played less than 60 seconds of the game. And it it was just so nice to see everyone crash to the boards, hit a body. I think in in a pregame 60-second scout, uh, Stephen Pearl was talking about You've got to go find a body and, and grab a rebound, and, and that's what's just, what was so important. And in the second half, those last six minutes, it, it was really nice because I also feel like as you not grabbed all those rebounds, second-chance points had become a little bit of a factor. Tennessee had 13 of those, and, and this game might have been a little tighter because at the end it turned into that free-throw game, and, and Auburn made its free throws. Tennessee was ne- never able to close that gap. Speaking with Jacob Hillman of the Auburn Sports Network, he joins us every Monday at 3.30. Hillman, a couple of things we know uh, coming into today. The SEC announced that Wendell Green and Janai Broom both were named to the All-SEC second team. Uh, We saw the yearly awards for the SEC as well. No Auburn players on those, so we'll sort of continue to churn through the topics here. But we do know the SEC tournament bracket as Auburn is facing off against Arkansas in Nashville on Thursday. How do you feel about the first matchup? Because that's a pretty tough draw for the first game in the second round of the SEC tournament for Auburn. It is, and the three teams that Auburn could have faced as the seventh seed was Florida, Arkansas, or Mississippi State. I think I probably would have least liked to play Arkansas, but here's how I'm looking at it. I think it's a great opportunity for this basketball team to improve its resume it feels like this team is a lot to be in the NCAA tournament after that win Saturday. So having this quad one opportunity against a team you did play against really well in early January, but that, that doesn't hold as much now with the Razorbacks getting Nick Smith Jr. fully healthy and, and playing really well right now. So it, it's just another opportunity to really improve that resume and, and build some confidence going in. And, if you, and, and here's the thing. Also, if it's a hard-fought game, so be it. it it's one of those games that – you're playing a team that's 
that's also pretty desperate to try and get in the tournament. I think uh, Auburn, I feel better about getting in the tournament right now, and I think Arkansas is in as well. But I think there's still some question marks based off the way the Razorback season has ended. So I like the matchup because it gives Auburn a chance to really test itself and, and, and build some more momentum with a big win. Yeah. I mean, Arkansas has lost five of their last seven in conference right. play, and they had some serious opportunities to pull off some big wins and just never really got it done. Uh, so, I, so I do kind of, in the back of my mind, start to wonder if maybe if we are overvaluing this, this Arkansas team going into the SEC tournament. Um, but when you look at that and you look at the fact that since the road game at Tennessee – Auburn is leading the SEC in three-point percentage at 38.8%. Yeah. How confident should Auburn fans be going into this game against Arkansas? So I noted on the pregame on Saturday that in the since that loss at Tennessee, five of the seven games, Auburn shot north of 40% from the field. And it's 49.1% on Saturday. So that's six of eight. Of the last eight games, in six of them, Auburn shot 40% or better. And like you said, three-point shooting. Uh, in those last several games, it, it, that Auburn was the best in the SEC. And I think that's an important that's an important thing to note. But I also think the, the bench needs to produce a little bit more scoring because you're not always going to get Wendell Green Jr., Janai Broom, Alan Flanagan, Jalen Williams to, to put up 13 or more points every single game in March. So whether it's K.D. Johnson – scoring 21 like he did at Alabama, or Leor Berman scoring nine uh, off of three threes. Whatever it is, I think that's more of the key uh, to this Auburn team making a run in March or finding success in, in some of these games against uh, better competition that against teams that have just been so successful this year. So uh, the, the threes are really nice to have, but I want to see the bench produce, and whether that's from three or, or just finding ways to score, uh, that's what's going to be important. Hillman, we mentioned that you were on the call for some softball this weekend as they get a nice 4-1 and one record coming out of the weekend. Baseball gets to sweep uh, at Plainsman Park as well. What can you tell our listeners about what happened at J.B. Moore Field and Plainsman Park? Yeah, I'll start at J.B. Moore Field where I spent Friday and Sunday. And, uh, and, and you get two big wins, five-inning run rule wins against Bowling Green Friday and Sunday. You beat Tennessee Tech 11-6. But South Alabama is probably one of the toughest opponents Auburn has faced so far this season. In the first game on Friday, uh, it's a 3 nothing gritty win. You get home runs from K.K. McCrary, Lindsey Garcia, a triple from Michaela Packer, and she's knocked in by Carly McCondishy. Manufacturing runs and, and a couple home runs that uh, put the Tigers on top against a tough pitcher. Then on Saturday, you go into the seventh inning getting no hit. Jesse Blaine comes through and and. and avoids that from happening, but then they bounce back against Tennessee Tech. What I liked about the fight from the team was that I don't know if they really expected to, to get that tough of a fight from the Jaguars, and, and they really bounced back and, and pulled through in the first game. So uh, I, I'm happy from what I'm seeing. Maddie Pence, Shelby Lowe, they, they both continue to be dominant and play really well. And on the offensive end, uh, Bree Ellis, she, she hit another home run yesterday and, th- and a couple throughout the weekend. So uh, it's it's one of those things that this this pitching staff is starting to come along, and the offense is it, finding its groove uh, with the bats. So um, I think also the base running has improved since the beginning of the year. The, the, the beginning of the year, it, it was certainly something that uh, was having to get figured out. But now I think the pinch runners that are consistently getting in, whether it's Abby Smith, Kennedy Cooper, 
they're they're figuring things out on the base pass at Plainsman Park. Bryson Ware again. What what more can you say? Two straight days, eighth inning home runs that either tied the game or take the lead. Uh, that's so impressive. And then Ike Irish, he he was so impressive again. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't know if he's going to win his third consecutive SEC Freshman of the Week honor, but he's certainly up there, uh, up for it. And you know who I was impressed by? Chris Stanfield, freshman outfielder. He got a few starts out in the outfield and that 462 on the weekend had a triple knocked in a few runs he almost had a home run that he hit off the right. top of the monster just just a few feet away from a home run and it, it's really encouraging to see guys come off the bench and, and do things like that and then as far as the pitching goes john armstrong i thought he was really impressive i think um Rallaw noticed noted that in the post-game meeting butch talked about john said you might pitch in 100 games while you're here at auburn but it, it, it's going to be because you, you're being so efficient. You are being effective for this team, and, and you give Auburn the best chance to win. So I, just being really impressed by both ways, and I'm excited to get guys like Joseph Gonzalez back and, and really, really uh, settle into a pitching rotation as we get towards SEC play. Well, it's a busy time on the Plains, which means you are a busy man, Jacob Hillman of the Auburn Sports Network. We appreciate you joining us every single Monday to talk all things Auburn athletics, whether it be basketball, baseball, softball, or anything else going on here on the Plains. We appreciate you and your time. Let everybody know where they can keep up with you and uh, when the next time you're going to be on the microphone, my friend. Yeah, follow me on Twitter at Jacob Hillman AU and uh, follow at AU Sports Network for all of our coverage whether it's Auburn men's basketball, baseball, softball, whatever it is. And uh, hopefully I'm back on the Auburn men's basketball call on Friday. Hopefully Auburn knocks off Arkansas and I'll uh, get to call the Auburn-Texas A&M game. So that would be a 5.30 airtime and 6 o'clock tip. And so Thursday, uh, it's Andy Burch, Randall Dickey, and Brad Law on the call for Auburn-Arkansas, 5.30 airtime, 6 o'clock tip. Well, man, again, I know you're busy. You do a great job just as everybody else does over at the Auburn Sports Network. So uh, we appreciate you and your time, and we'll talk to you next week. And uh, maybe we'll talk about Auburn making a run in Nashville. (laughs) Wouldn't that be nice, War Eagle guys? Yep, good to hear from you. That is Jacob Hillman again of the Auburn Sports Network. He joins us every Monday at 3.30 here on the show. We're going to get to our final break. If anybody wants to call in as we wrap it up, I know we had a few people call in before we had Jacob Hillman. So uh, if you want to get your thoughts in before we get out of here, We'd love to hear from you. 334-321-1390. Also, got two tickets for Auburn baseball versus UAB tomorrow at Plainsman Park. That game is at 6 o'clock. If anybody wants them, I got two tickets. Auburn versus UAB tomorrow at Plainsman Park. Give us a call. 334-321-1390. You are on the line on ESPN 1067. Call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. Wrapping up the Monday edition of On the Line, Jacob Goins, Carter Bird with you here for the next couple of minutes on ESPN 1067. Big thank you to Jacob Hillman of the Auburn Sports Network. Again, he joins us every Monday here on the show uh, talking all things Auburn athletics. We talked about basketball, uh, baseball, softball. There's a lot going on right now in Auburn athletics. You have uh, men's and women's tennis uh, going right now. You have gymnastics going right now. They have their final home meet of the season coming up this Friday night. 
And so, uh, again, just a lot going on right now in Auburn Athletics, but we appreciate Jacob Hillman joining us as he does every single Monday here on the show. Also, we had Joey Blackwell, Alabama Central, back in the first hour. He joins us on Mondays as well and uh, talk to him about all things Alabama athletics with a couple of Crimson Tide players getting all SEC honors uh, for basketball this season, talking about them as the one seed in Nashville this weekend and uh, them possibly being a one seed in the NCAA tournament. So if you missed any of those conversations or any of our show today, be sure to go and catch up with the podcast, ESPNAU.com. Click on the podcast center and you'll find a commercial free after the show or just search on the line. And uh, it's been a a search on the line wherever you get your podcast, but uh, it's been a a good show. We've talked Auburn versus Tennessee. We've talked the SEC tournament bracket, which we will continue to break down as the week goes on with that getting going on Wednesday. And Carter, a couple of good games tonight in college basketball, if you look at it as it is officially champ week, according to ESPN. Uh, You have a couple of semifinals tonight. You have a couple of finals tonight. How about South Alabama and Louisiana that are in the Sun Belt Championship game tonight? One of those teams will punch their ticket to the NCAA tournament. Also, Chattanooga and Furman in the SOCON Championship. Former Auburn uh, shooting guard, Jamal Jamal Johnson. Johnson in that South. Yeah, off against Sam. Stanford yeah. uh, to beat them the other night. Yeah, so two championship games tonight, uh, a couple of semifinal games as well. Uh, Northern Kentucky, Youngstown State in the their conference tournament is sponsored Barbasol Horizon League Championship. That's interesting. Why not? That's awesome. Hey, I love that. Uh, absolutely. If you can make money on it, why not do it? Hey, there is a semifinal tonight. Two teams that didn't do anything in postseason play to get to the semifinals. They were just handed it to them. St. Mary's and their semifinals of the West Coast Conference taking on BYU and Gonzaga taking on San Francisco because the conference is so weak and it's too small that those teams just automatically make it to the semifinals. Well, they do it. They do it to protect their their at-large bids. Which is soft. I, I know. I agree. I agree. It's really freaking dumb. But, you know, the fact that they are sitting here um, in the semifinal uh, without having played a game while San Francisco, and I think BYU had to win a couple games to get there, if I recall, because I think it would have been uh, Loyola Marymount had the um, would have been matched up with St. Mary's had they won. Um, it's certainly <laughs> it's beautiful because it's if you're one of these low seeds, you got to run through a bunch of people. So BYU beat Port- Portland, then beat uh, Loyola Mar- Marymount. San Francisco beat Pacific, then Santa Clara. Uh, to to make the semifinal. So those two teams have won two games to make it to the first game for St. Mary's and the first game for Gonzaga. I hope they both win. I hope I hope BYU and San Francisco win tonight. They won't, but That's I hope bad. they do. That'd be really bad for the bubble because then it means then it means one of those two teams is getting an automatic bid, and the two yeah. the two St. Mary's and Gonzaga are getting at largest. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which thankfully I don't think Auburn is realistically on the bubble. I mean, Auburn's in, I think, but there's a lot of bubble teams. There's a couple of bubble teams that got big wins over the weekend as well. So it's champ week. Take it in. College basketball, it's one of the best weeks of the season before March Madness begins. It's champ week. Watch some games tonight and enjoy it. But we are out of time. Come back tomorrow, 2-4, to right here on ESPN 106.7 for the Tuesday edition of On the Line. Stay safe. I'll talk to you later.